tuned in to The Keetra Show and listening to SOB, Style of Business, the podcast with your host, Keetra. We aim to highlight the ongoing trek of entrepreneurs and business owners from around the globe, featuring stories that recount their struggles, experiences, and inevitable road to success and self-fulfillment. Welcome to SOB. This podcast is being brought to you by my inspiring new book titled Courage is a Muscle, Using Heart to Power Your Entrepreneurial Dreams. You can grab your copy today on Amazon. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another hot episode of SOB Style of Business, the podcast. Today, I have another fantastic guest. Uh, We are recording this on a Friday Eve. It is Thursday. (laughs) So I've already mentioned to this gentleman, we're getting ready to have a a pretty good, uh, fun conversation and, you know, somewhat of um, some serious stuff going on in here, too. But I'm speaking to the fabulous Teron Von Gossery, who is a comedian. He's also a TV host and a radio personality and just a good guy, a fun guy to be around. Um, I mean, I can't wait to kind of have him give us some information on his background and some of the things that he's done. Uh, in the comedy world to make people laugh and to look uplift people's spirits and you know some some good stuff that he's he's doing as well uh, with advocacy and some things like that that are currently going on in the climate today so we definitely want to get his perspective have him share his story and hopefully to also inspire some aspiring comedian and comedians who are possibly listening so without further ado I will just pass him the mic let him drop that introduction for us and we will get into this conversation that we have for you guys today. So, Teron, what's going on? How you doing? Thanks so much for dropping in on the show. We appreciate your time. What's up? Well, thank you for having me, Miss Ketria Garner-Chambers. I appreciate <laughs> you for dropping my full name, my government name. Like, you dropped the whole name and did it correctly. <laughs> so, already, you've moved up in my book. Cool, cool, cool. I'm glad to hear that. And, and uh, hey... You know, the government name is we, you know, we got the hat at. We have to have the full dibs on uh, the people that are here and about. So definitely appreciate you just taking the time. Um, like I was just mentioned to you, I was intending on catching up with you a while back, you know, just to kind of keep up with some of the things that you had going as far as your sets. And I know you're moving into like the film world and things like that. But uh, give us a little background. Give us an introduction. How you? How did you get started? And, um, you know, people are nosy. We want to know. So so I'll give you a minute to, to give us a little bit more. Well, basically, I'm a comedian. And when I say that, I say that with much vigor and respect for the art of comedy. Comedy is, it's unfortunate that people don't realize how difficult comedy is and that's actually one of the perfections of the craft because comedians go on stage and make it seem so effortless that everyone thinks they can do this everybody who's ever made a joke or anybody who's ever said something funny is like oh i could do comedy because to the to the average person i person's eye including my own when i began it seemed like you just go on stage and you can make everyone laugh but the truth of the matter is Comedy is an art form. Comedy is a skill set. Comedy is a talent. Comedy is something that you have to work for. And those are the foundations. That's just the beginning. I started comedy. I was actually finishing law school. The plan was not to be a comedian. And it wasn't to be a lawyer either, because people always think, uh, because I have a law degree, that it's because I wanted to become a lawyer. My plan was to be, I wanted to be behind the scenes. I actually wanted to go and become a music mogul. I wanted to be Diddy. I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be JD. I wanted to be like a music mogul. Oh, wow. Right? And 
and unfortunately that dream collapsed on itself as my, the artists that I had and the contracts that we had were just, they were not as good as they should have been. So I, I, I had to take a long, hard look at my own life and be like, I want to go and spread a message to the world. How can I do this? And as I was doing that, it's interesting. I turned on the television and I watched this channel called, it was called Fuse. It's still on. It's, it's basically Canadian MTV. Yeah. And I saw, I saw a comedian who, his name is Mikey Winfield. He's actually a good friend of mine now. He's a good friend, very funny comedian. Just last year won the NBC comedy competition. So he's very funny. Light-skinned guy, has a fro, great smile. And he was doing comedy and introducing, introducing music videos. And I literally looked at it, and I was like, if he can do this, I can do this. You're That's right. literally the thought that ran through my mind, which is why I'm such an advocate for representation. Representation is that important, that me, as a grown-up, at that point, I wasn't seven or 10 or 12 or 15. I was a 22-year-old who was looking for a path in life and saw someone who looked like me on television mm. doing something that I thought I could do. And that's how important representation is, is that if it can influence me at 22, how influential do we think it must be on a five or seven or 10 year old? It's mm. that influential. Just seeing somebody that looks like doing something, it inspires you to be able to do it. So, I saw Mikey perform uh, on television, and I found out that he was performing at the Laugh Factory that weekend. I actually flew to L.A. I flew to L.A. with a little bit of money that I had because I was like, I need to meet this person. I think if I meet him, I will be able to, I will be able to figure some things out. So I, I flew to L.A. that weekend. And Virgin America, thankfully, trips were only $99 each way. So it was very affordable. Yeah. Wow. And I went to the Laugh Factory, exactly. And I saw, I saw Mikey perform. And while I was trying to meet Mikey and see him perform, I actually met the owner of the Laugh Factory. And I presented myself as if I was a comedian. And he gave <laughs> me an opportunity. He said, come back Monday. Right. And I was like, I didn't want to tell him I don't live in Los Angeles. So I ended up staying in Los Angeles, staying in the rented car that I had because I, I couldn't really get a place. And I stayed till Monday, missed my class on Monday, and went and performed. And I did just well enough that he told me I could come back. And that was how I began comedy. Oh my gosh, that, that is, well, you know what, but hey, you have to fake it till you make it. So if you had to, you know, present yourself as being a comedian who was already on, then that's what it took. It got you the first performance, right? So I love it. It did get me the first performance, but I realized fake it till you make it is only a beginning equation. It's fake it till you get in. But when you get on, you have to have earned the stripes. So I actually used to fly back and forth to LA every single Monday night because that was the night that I could perform for the, le for the last nine months, nine months and three weeks before I could move to LA. So for nine months and three weeks, I flew back every single week to LA. And the rest of the week, I had to work in order to make money in order to be able to buy my next plane ticket. Literally, that's what my whole goal was is to, 
earn an extra $250 so that I could earn uh, enough money to buy a plane ticket and take the bus to make sure to get to the last factory and get back to the airport because I couldn't stay the night. I literally flew in, got to the last factory. We landed at we landed at 7:46. I would get on a bus, take it to UCLA, then get on another bus and take it to the last factory on Sunset, and then get on another bus, oh, wow. take it right back to UCLA, and have to get to the airport for my 1:15 flight back to DC. That was literally wow. my Monday night. That's crazy. And it took determination, but that's because I, I put my mind to doing something that I had chosen to do. I, I wanted to be in this, in this realm. I wanted to be in this world. And this is the sacrifice that I had to make. And all of us do it to whatever extent that we can. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely, if you want to excel at something. And I love the fact that you uh, mentioned that, yeah, you know, you you do what you have to do to get in. But at some point or another, you definitely have to come in and, you know, find your way and develop your craft, which uh, brings me to this question, which I, you know, I love the way that you present you, you're in your own lane. You know, when you go up and you do a set, there's Tehran and we know what type of content like we know the persona that you bring as to where you have other uh, comedians who you know, they're similar to like other people's styles and things like that. But tell me a little bit more about like, how did you work or what did it take for you to get and in, step into your own personality on stage? Like, okay, you were inspired by this person or this person, but when you step on stage, we're going to see a Tehran show. You know, we're going to see what you are bringing to the table. I appreciate that so much, Katrina, because honestly, finding your voice is one of the most important elements of comedy. Finding your voice. If you go on stage and you sound like Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, Cat Williams, Kevin Hart, Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, Lunell, exactly. whoever you can think of, and I tried to give a cross and a variety of comedians so it matches everybody, but whoever you can think of, if you sound like them, then why won't we just listen to them? We need to, we need to hear your voice. That's one of the, one of the, biggest elements of being a comedian is who are you? What is the story you have to tell? And finding that voice is a part of finding your comedic, your comedic rhythm and pattern. And it's a part of finding yourself. So it's a very difficult thing to do. Luckily for me, I've always been loud and outspoken as me. So what the hard part was transferring your offstage persona onto your onstage persona and being as similar or the same person as you can be. And once you hit that plateau, then you get into that realm of Eddie Murphy, Chappelle, Pryor, and the great. Exactly. Yeah, you you, you definitely um, made a good point there. And one of the things that I definitely admired about your set is that you know, you're not scared to, you know, cross the line. And I know a lot of comedians and comedians do that. Like they they bring up topics that are unspoken or taboo or things that are, um, you know, politically charged or, you know, that would cause a, a well, not cause a cultural divide. But a lot of times the content is based off of situations that are going on in the real world. And um, you I know like you're biracial. So I know you've presented 
uh, some different commentary about that on on stage and your sets and things like that. Is that is that something that you did you have to kind of grow into being comfortable to do that or, or like how how was that for you to be able to discuss and to get into race and um, things that are politically charged or something that might uh, potentially offend somebody in the crowd in your audience? It seems like it would be easy, but it's not. And the reason it's not is because if you can't find your voice, then everything you say will inherently sound inauthentic and will not resonate well with the audience. My background is my father is Iranian and my mother is black, and they are very proud of their personal cultural heritage, and they instilled that pride within me. So I'm very proud to be Iranian. And I'm very proud to be black. And most importantly, I'm proud to be a good person. And I wouldn't be a good person if I had if I had ideas and thoughts and social commentary and I did not present them authentically when I was using my platform, which is the stage. So I'm not afraid to cross lines because I'm not afraid to push buttons in my real life. And I am un- unapologetic about my rhetoric on stage. Here's the thing. It comes from an inherently good place. I mean it with good intent, and I simply promote things like unity and love. In my, in my comedy, even when I bring up the distinctions between different people, if I bring up anything regarding social commentary, social commentary is an amazing form of, of comedy. We see it, of course, with Dave Chappelle, who to me not only is my favorite comedian, but is the greatest, in my opinion, to ever do so with social commentary. So what I try to do is I try to bring the real world that I know and bring it on stage. It's a very similar similar concept to rap. A A lot of people criticize comedians. Well, why do comedians only talk about this? Why do black comedians talk about race? Why do female comedians talk about sex or sexual harassment. Well, that's because that's a lot of our experience. And if you don't realize that, and if you don't like that, if you don't like what rappers talk about, don't change the rapper, change their environment because they are simply talking about what and the things that they see. So we are doing the same. I'm on stage and my personal mantra is good comedy makes you laugh but great comedy makes you think. So Mm -hmm. the best response isn't just ha, ha, ha. It's that's so true, where you give a perspective to a real-world situation, a relatable situation, something everyone can see. You give a perspective that allows everybody to see that situation from everybody's perspective. And I try to do that I try to do that on stage because I try to do that in my real life. And I just speak on the things that I know. Exactly. Yeah. No, and I think a lot of people are, uh, what, what, what I've seen personally, especially with quarantine and the virus and now with the protests is a lot of, more people are speaking up. More people are speaking about, speaking up in regards to their beliefs and um, the things that they want to advocate for. And, um, I want to ask you a little bit about the current climate, okay? Because, you know, initially we started out, there was a coronavirus, uh, and of course there was still some things going on in, within the black communities with the oppression and the, you know, the police officers and things like that that kind of just came to a head over the last few weeks or so. Um, 
but like, tell me a little bit about how you're able to um, infuse that into your, 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 uh, I don't want to say performances right now, because I know a lot of people are not in the, uh, don't have the ability to go on stage and perform in front of crowds. But like, as far as your audience and how you're kind of keeping up to date with not only what you're doing as a personality, a comic and um, as a host, but how are you adjusting to make sure that you are letting your audience know, hey, I think these things are important. I'm advocating for this, so I'm doing this, so I'm doing that. And also being able to make sure that they're engaged with who you are as a personality uh, as it relates to your your work. Well, when it comes to comedy, fortunately, the stage is not the only place that comedy exists. We often see memes and posts and retweets and don't realize that a lot of that content comes from the minds of comedians and that's that's an area where i'm extremely active is creating creating memes or posts that i hope reach my core audience and then is is spread abroad also fortunately i have been able to to perform because we've been doing zoom shows and instagram live shows and all these various means of, of technological platforms, which were not available to our predecessors. So I'm so thankful for that, for being able to perform. Yeah. I post, and even when I'm attacked for my post, right is right, even if no one's doing it, and wrong is wrong, even if everyone's doing it. And I'm looking to be on the right side of history. And when I say that, I mean in regards to current, the current atmosphere of Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. I will not stop expressing that Black Lives Matter because of what it means. Because Black Lives Matter does mean Latinx lives matter. It does mean LGBTQ lives matter. It yeah. does mean, it does mean all those things. It's just as black people, we are on the forefront we are the front line. It's us. All the people that are fighting against it, a lot of those people don't realize you're not, you're not with them. You're just next. And so I bring these perspectives up and put them out there. And it's not necessarily for the ardent uh, protester of it. Yeah. And it's not to convince those who are already on board with it. It's to give the people who are on board uh, a new angle to examine, and it's to give the people who are on the cusp. A lot of people read and make up their minds based on their 50-50, and they're making up their minds based on the rhetoric which we put out. So I'm always un- under the mindset of educate, not humiliate, and I educate and I try to have fun with it, but I do have a very serious tone with it, and some of the best comedians that I've mentioned have done this times 10, whether, whether you realize it or not, the people who have made us think about race, politics, gender the most are comedians, yeah. whether it's Dave Chappelle or Trevor Noah, Jon Stewart, Stephen Colbert, whether it's Wanda Sykes, whether it's Monique. A lot of the comedians who push these agendas are simply comedians. They're the people that made us think about race. Paul Mooney, Richard Pryor, we're thinking about race differently than we ever have. And it's because of this perspective of comedians. Comedians are not clowns. Comedians are philosophers. 
the modern day philosophers are comedians or people who express these amazing ideologies and do so in a matter that we can all digest. That takes a brilliance of its own. So I've used my platform to be on the right side of history and to make sure that everyone knows specifically where I stand. I don't talk about politics. Yeah. I do talk about principles. And mm. principles of equality, justice, and liberty for all, those are things that are unwavering to me. We can talk about them, we can laugh about them, but I don't need to cry about them. Right. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And and like what do you what are your thoughts on uh being someone who has the platform that you have and you know, just like being in a celebrity status, right? Do you ever feel an obligation to to be a voice? Because I know there's some people on different sides of this. You know, some people say, okay, hey, once you um, have an audience and, uh, you know, you're able to share with them things that are within your craft or your product, then you also have a responsibility to speak up and advocate for things like this, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement or, um, you know, just just any other movement that is, like you said, on the right side of, of history. Do you feel like you're obligated at all to to have to have a say in this all the time? Or what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? It's not only an obligation, it's my it's my duty to do so. It's my responsibility to do so. So while it's not my responsibility to educate people about themselves, it's something that I've chosen to do, which has made it my duty, but it is my responsibility to advocate for all things that are are right, to advocate for the principles I truly believe in. And so because of that, as a comedian, as I expressed, being on stage is about authenticity. I would be inauthentic if I did not bring those things to the forefront of my comedy, because that is who I am on the inside and the outside. And that is who I present on stage. And that is who I present at home. And that is who I present in my own heart and my own mind. So how could I not be in unison with one each other, one another? I have to present this. I cannot not talk about this stuff. And I feel like it's not, it's not just like, oh, I'm black. I would. I feel that this is a responsibility for all people because we all really do go through this. Whether whether you've been through racism yourself or not, you've seen it. That if you haven't seen right. it, then you're part of the problem, right? Right. So yeah. everyone has seen it. So it's this is something everyone should be weighing in on, and hopefully, you look at it and weigh in it, weigh in on it appropriately. Mm. but I would be inauthentic and I'm sure you would feel the same as well as you are, because I know you are a very powerful voice. Right. Yeah. No, we, you definitely have to, you know, you, you have to be authentic and do what's right. Um, and I agree with what you said, anything that affects one affects the whole. So we have to, uh, we have to do what's right and speak up. And I love that. I love that. I love that we're keeping to it. So um, before we get ready to wrap up, I know we have a, a little bit more left, but I want to I want to jump into something else that you've gotten into. I don't know how recent this. I, no, I think this is a um, an upcoming film that you uh, some film projects and things like that. Or just let us know, like, what else are you working on? We know we, you have the virtual uh, performances. Um, 
I think you've done like some different uh, chats and calls and things like that. But just tell us, like, what else is Mr. Tehran working on? What else can we expect going into the, the summer? Well, something that's very, very important to me is that I'm going to be on Ketria's podcast. So you better check that out. <laughs> number right. one. Exactly. Number two, I was in a film, American Typecast, which is a film that that is basically based on Middle Eastern typecast in the media. And it's a very interesting short film, which has been winning a lot of accolades, directed by Dan Cook, written by Dan Cook and Mo Abbott. And and it's a very fun, quick film. I have other appearances coming up on Fox and Comedy Central. But most importantly, you can find me in these streets with the people protesting, getting Corona, because I'd rather die from Corona (laughs) than racism. So you can find me in these streets. Exactly. He's not joking, y'all, either, because I've, I've checked out a couple of the videos. So this is mask off. I mean, we know it's a serious situation, but uh, just the fact that you are putting it all on the line and you are actually walking the walk means a lot. So definitely hats off to you for that, uh, Tehran. And um, let us know some words of encouragement. Maybe there's an aspiring comic or comedian or however, you know, they would like to be uh called give us give us some words of encouragement inspiration how do we get started practice makes perfect and we hear those words all the time but we don't realize how true they are if you ask any nba player if you ask any superstar you will realize how much they actually practiced before they got to where they are and while we love thinking that there is no overnight success story there is none even when you, even the people who play the lottery, are, who win the lottery, are the people who've played it the longest. It's never the person who walked in and bought one lottery ticket and hit the jackpot. So practice makes perfect. And my only, my only advice to all the aspiring comics is, I'm too stupid to quit. I'm too stupid. That's how you become successful is just be stupid and don't quit. You get better. You get more aware. You gain the skills. And you just keep going in that direction until you finally make it. And if there is no, if they don't open the door for you, that's okay. Make your own house. And thankfully, because of social media, thankfully, because of all the platforms and outlets that are available to us, we can all do that on our own. So everyone just please keep working. We need your voices to be heard by any means necessary. Wow, love that. Any means necessary, guys. You have heard it again. We're speaking to uh, Mr. Tehran, um, just a great person. Uh, Tehran, let us know where we can reach you online. Like if anybody wants to connect with you on social, follow any of your platforms, give us your social handles and also your website. Well, the number one thing in ending racism is following me on Instagram. At <laughs> I am Tehran. Find me. You want to you want to make the world a better place. Find me on Instagram at I am T-E-H-R-A-N. My name is actually like the capital of Iran. So if you don't know how to spell it, just watch Fox News. <laughs> All right. Oh, my gosh. Love it. <laughs> All right. That's perfect. Oh, my gosh. Hey, I should just have you going to a set right here. But no, we'll have you back. We'll have you back in the future tomorrow. Thanks so much for your time. You enjoy your weekend and uh, take care, my friend. 
Thanks for hanging out with us here on SOB. We hope this episode has been resourceful. If you'd like to check out the latest articles or follow Keetra's website updates, just log on to Keetra.com or follow her on Twitter at K-E-E-T-R-I-A.